Welcome, everyone, to Sunday service on this beautiful fall day at Ananda Village. <clears throat> I am Tiagi Lisa. This is Nayaswami Devarshi. And we would like to welcome everyone from the community, all the guests who are here at the Expanding Light Retreat, our friends and neighbors from the local area, and for those of you who are watching online. So it's our joy to share this inspirational service with you. <clears throat> Today's reading... From Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda, comparative passages of the Bible and Bhagavad Gita is, what is the best way to pray? Truth is one and eternal. 
Realize oneness, oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. Jesus Christ and Sri Krishna both advised praying to God as personal, yet both emphasized also that God is above form and that he must be sought ultimately in infinity. As Jesus put it, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Yet he spoke of God constantly as our Heavenly Father. In what is known as the Lord's Prayer, he proposed a very human prayer to the Heavenly Father, asking fulfillment for all our spiritual needs. The Bhagavad Gita explains that man, living as he does in a human body, finds it difficult to worship infinity, as though the ego and body didn't even exist. Far better for human beings, Krishna says, to work with reality as we know it, than to affirm a reality of which the human mind is incapable of forming any clear notion. Encouraging the devotee in this direction, he says, O Arjuna, be thou a yogi. That is to say, be one who works with, not in rejection of, the energies of the body and the natural tendencies of the mind. In the twelfth chapter of the Gita, Arjuna asks, Those who, ever steadfast, worship thee as devotees, that is to say in an I and thou relationship, and those who contemplate thee as the immortal, unmanifested spirit, which group is the better versed in yoga? The Blessed Lord replied, Those who, fixing their minds on me, adore me, ever united to me through supreme devotion, are in my eyes the perfect knowers of yoga. Those whose strict aim is union with the unmanifested choose a more difficult way, arduous for embodied beings, is the path of dedication to the Absolute, the followers, that is to say, of the path of Jnana Yoga. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. also like to welcome everybody to this beautiful Sunday morning. I'll start with a reading from Whispers from Eternity by Paramhansa Yogananda. I attuned my life with thine. Now my life has become a long, unbroken inspiration. Thy fountain of bliss refreshes and delights me night and day, whether I be wakeful, fast asleep, or dreaming fondly of thee. Oh, what has become of me? Delight on overwhelming delight, endless indescribable thrills of divine delight spray unceasingly over me. O aged nectar, wine of centuries, I found thee at last and will taste of thy sweetness forever, forever, forever. A nice thought to hold before us, isn't it? showing the goal of all of our spiritual practices. And it's always good to hold that vision in front of us, 
The reading today is about having this relationship with the personal uh, form of God and then finally transcending that and really using that in a way to reach God in the infinite and to merge and become one with God. And really, this whole question of the reading, what is the best way to pray, is really the whole essence of the spiritual path because it's how we start to develop a relationship with and commune with God and follow that path back to our home in God. And when we talk about prayer, we're also talking about not just the formal Heavenly Father, Divine Mother prayer. We're talking about inner communion. And I'll talk about this later, about that relationship that goes way beyond words and then beyond form even. There's two guidelines that can really help us as far as developing this very intimate, personal, continual, ongoing relationship with God. And I hate to give advice that is impossible to follow. So just see them as something to guide your thoughts because they are impossible to follow unless you're a saint in deep meditation 24 hours a day. But there are two very simple guidelines and they will really help you to deepen your life of prayer and inner communion. And they're very short. Each one is three words each, but they're not very easy. But again, they're not something to set as something to reach for and then fail because any effort that we make towards God is going to bless us deeply. The first one, how to best pray all the time. It's as simple as that. The second one, under all circumstances. Now, Obviously, we can't do that. If, if I'm flying into Sacramento and I go up into the peek into the cockpit, I don't want to see the pilot sitting there, Heavenly Father, <laughs> please land this plane. <laughs> I have a lot of passengers, a lot of responsibility. I want him absolutely focused on landing the plane. Of course, he can have God in the back of his mind and he can pray before he starts the approach. He can pray afterwards. But obviously, there's times when we can't be focused and have our minds completely focused on God and that relationship. But you'll find that there are so many in-between times that you can start filling. And just experiment with this. It's, uh, I think it's just the most extraordinary experiment in the spiritual life is how we work with prayer and with our relationship with the divine. And it's something that is creative. It's very personal and individual. And start trying this out. Fill all these gaps. Fill these times when, why do we always pray here? We pray here and do a formal prayer. It seems like every five minutes we start the day. Energization, we start with a prayer. If you're staying here at the Expanding Light, we start the meditation, you start with a prayer. You end the meditation with a prayer. You go out to breakfast and you do a prayer. We have meetings. The karma yogis, they say a prayer. And it's always one prayer after another. And it's actually a really good reminder to always start and end things with a prayer. And I would just like to encourage people, even Ananda people, I see people kind of rushing off and doing things. I've seen Swami Kriyananda over the years. All of the sort of, uh, sort of break points or just um, transitions between one thing and another, he stops and he says a prayer. He leaves his apartment to go on a trip. He'll say a prayer as he's going out of his apartment. When he's sitting in the car before he actually leaves, He'll say a prayer. I see a number of people kind of shooting out. They don't even stop at the stop sign, much less to stop to say a prayer. And they shoot out on Tyler Foot Road. 
stop and say a prayer and just fill all these moments with this relationship with God. And it doesn't have to be this formal prayer of Heavenly Father, Divine Mother, and the whole routine. It can just be say, okay, Divine Mother, guide me and have fun with me on this trip today and talk to the Guru in that way. You can also fill so many other times that just find ways, find times that you're not filling with this communion and this conversation with God. One of the most beautiful times is when you're falling asleep. And this doesn't mean kneeling down and saying a prayer and then climbing into bed. Try experiment with this, that your very last thought before you slip into sleep is of God, is of Divine Mother, is just offering yourself with complete devotion and freedom. And it's amazing when you can start changing your habits. And it does become a habit where you do that as you're falling asleep and sleep becomes blissful. And you wake up in the middle of the night and your first thought is of God. And I've just had the sweetest experiences where I normally don't have insomnia, but occasionally, you know, we all have those times. And I've tried getting up and sitting up and going to my meditation room and I get drowsy and finally I lie in bed. I find it's just the sweetest time of communion with God is just to lie there and, and talk, have a conversation, say, here we are again and offer yourself and just even beyond words as I'll talk about later. So find moments of time that you can fill with this inner communion, with this conversation. You'll find that if you do that, your meditation becomes very, very deep and very, very easy, as I'll talk about. Now, what about this under all circumstances part? It sounds the same, because if you're praying all the time, you're doing it under all circumstances. And this is just another way of looking at it, because again, we're not going to fulfill this completely. But try responding and reacting to events in life with prayer, with talking to God, with just uh, responding to every event. And if you have times that you don't respond, experiment and change the habit. And it can actually become a habit where when things start, you know, whapping you in life, you just immediately respond with talking to God, even positive or negative. I hear something a lot over the years where I've heard someone say they went to town and they were late for an appointment and there was no parking and all of a sudden, Divine Mother opened up a parking space. And you hear that, it's sweet. But I have to say, I've never heard anyone say that I went to town and Divine Mother gave me a parking ticket. And <laughs> it's, it's the mean old traffic cop that gave you the parking ticket. But try to get out of that way of thinking. Try to see everything is God, the Guru, however you relate to God, is giving me everything. There's a beautiful... Indian saint named Swami Ramdas, not the American who's uh, popular, but a great Indian saint. And he worshipped God as the Lord Ram. And everything he saw, everywhere he went, it was Ram was doing this and Ram was doing that. And you saw the parking space motif a lot. Ram met me and uh, held out my bowl and Ram gave me some food and I was in the train and Ram started sharing with me his life. It was a fellow passenger in the the train. But you also see that he was in a cave or somewhere in the seclusion, and he came back, and someone had stolen all his entire belongings, his begging bowl, his Bhagavad Gita, and his glasses. 
He had nothing left. And he wrote, and today Ram came and took back his things. And he was in a train station and the manager of the station didn't like sadhus. He thought they were good for nothings. And so he started beating Swami Ramdas with a stick. And so, and today Ram came and hit me with a stick. And it was just so joyful and just so sweet to see God in everything. And I tell you, there are a lot of days that are a lot more parking tickets and parking spaces and a lot of times in our life. And if you can fill that whole time with gratitude, with remembrance of God, you'll get so much more and you'll go so much deeper into this relationship. Now, not everybody can respond to those negative things the way Swami Ramdas did. We have different natures and there's other ways to work with it. There was another great Indian saint, uh, Ram Prashad, who sang all these beautiful songs to Divine Mother. It was his form of worship. And the ones that we're used to are very beautiful and sweet and uplifting, and the stories of his life are very sweet and uplifting and, you know, all have this positive tone to them. But if you read all of his songs and all of his poems, there's, you know, at least a couple hundred different ones, he shares with God as Divine Mother in every possible mood, every possible moment of life. And he doesn't hold back. There are times when he is really upset. And so if you get upset with your parking ticket, you don't have to respond positively. But don't blame the cop. Go to Divine Mother, go to God, and start having it out with them. And you see the beauty of these poems is that Ram Prasad, he, he really lets Divine Mother have it sometimes, seriously. <laughs> He was alive during these great Bengal famines where millions died, millions starved. And his poems from from that were really scolding Divine Mother and saying, what a cruel mother you are. All your children are crying for you and they're all starving and you're just completely ignoring them. And he really gets in her face and lets her have it, but very sweetly and lovingly, but he doesn't hold back. And I think in the West... I think we are way too proper with the way that we worship and pray. And partly it's just, I think, our upbringing in certain ways. And it's way too formal. And you see, there's so many different ways to pray. And you can take your own individual nature, which is if you're upset all the time or upset about certain things, turn it to God. And you'll find that when you do this more and more, you start to change. You open yourself to the light at any circumstance, whether you're guilty about something, whether you're ashamed of something, whether you've stumbled or whether you've said something wrong or whatever it is, immediately go back to God and say, sometimes as I do, you're not getting rid of me that easy. Here I am again. And that changes you over time. I had a beautiful example of, I think the attitude that we should have more of in the West and I see with it with a lot of people I know, but I was in India and it was at a temple there. And in India, you see there's a lot more of this uh, freedom in the sense of, of ways of worshiping. There's no rules. I think that's one reason why Swami Kriyananda made so few rules at Ananda because he knew that the spiritual path and the path to God is not rigid and bound by rules. So I was at a temple and it was a long line to get to the front to get the blessing of the the murti, the statue in the front. And I was getting near the front. And as I was approaching it, 
I felt this elbow just plowing into my back, and it felt like some football team had just come through because I just got smashed from behind. And I looked up, and there was this tiny, frail, very elderly woman who couldn't have weighed 80 pounds, elbowing her way to the front to get the blessing of God. And I just thought, that's the spirit. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I don't want to give people ideas when we do the Festival of Light (laughs) and we do our blessing and people come up. But that's the attitude that we should have. It should be taking our own nature, where we're at right now. You don't have to hide who you are. You don't have to be ashamed of who you are. As Swami Kriyananda, one of just my favorite quotes that he has ever said, he says, to thine own funky self be true. (laughs) And just take that and bring it to God. Whoever you are, bring it to Divine Mother, bring it to the Guru, whatever way you worship God. And that's how we continually open ourselves up to receiving the grace of God in our lives and just that transforming power of God in our lives. There's something else just, you know, probably more personal in my own life, but it just is an example of how we can pray. I was uh, dealing with some physical karma that was sort of ongoing and Someone was asking me how it was, and I was saying, well, it's worse now. And they were kind of consoling me and saying, well, you know, it's, it's too bad that God and Divine Mother do this to us because, uh, you know, here we are all serving and loving God. And, and I responded sincerely, and it was the way that I was dealing with it, which is that I'd said that, yep, I'd been having a lot of words with management about the conditions down here. And... She wasn't seem inclined to change anything about the conditions. But I did notice one thing, is that I was changing. And I was able to deal with it more and continue to deal with it in that way. And it sort of put this somewhat crazy thought in my mind, which wasn't realistic, but it shows you the crazy way that I think. So I, I'm going to share it. So I thought, what if we could get everybody in the world all at once to go to God and say, okay, we've had enough. The conditions down here, you created it. Look at it. I mean, just, you're responsible for this. Yogananda said this. He said, pray to Divine Mother, pray to God in that way. There's a beautiful recording of him praying. And he says with a lot of power, he said, Lord, thou hast created us against our will. Free us. That is our prayer. And he says it with so much power. And you know that the saints, the masters, they don't go meekly before God and say, well, please, pretty please. They demand it and they insist on it. And if you want to blame God for creating you, go for it, because that's how it happened. But you'll find (laughs) that if you go, no matter what way, no matter how you find to do it, continually, in all your moods, in all your attitudes, things start changing. And this is what my crazy thought was, well, what if, what would happen if somehow we could get everybody in the world all at once, like some big Occupy Heaven campaign <laughs> to 
to go up there and say, okay, this, we've had enough. What would happen? And I, I seriously thought about, well, what would happen? I thought, well, probably God wouldn't change things because we've given, been given free will. We have sort of made this mess somewhat ourselves. But you know something? I think that everything in this world would change because everybody would change. Because by going to God, individuals, everybody, everywhere, they would start to change and they would start looking around and saying, oh, wait a minute, I don't need to be greedy and I don't need to be shooting people and maybe we can all share what we have of God's bounty and people's consciousness would change. And this is the power of continual inner communion with God, of prayer, of keeping that connection continually open, is that it opens the door for God's grace to enter into our hearts and to change our lives. The spiritual path is not some heroic climbing up to the top of the mountain with all our willpower and being really skilled yogis and meditating really good and making it to the top and sticking the flag in there and shouting. And The spiritual path is doing our best, but it's really God who lifts us up in the end. It's really, Yogananda said the spiritual path is 25% our effort, 25% is the Guru's help on our behalf, 50% is God's grace. And this really describes the spiritual path, and our part's pretty small. It's simply to offer ourselves into that grace, into that light, so that we can receive it in our lives. And this really is the science of yoga. It sounds like it's, we're talking about prayer and inner communion, but the whole science of yoga is based on this idea of taking communion with God, starting with prayer, and maybe in a more outward way, focusing it, making it more interiorized. And this is really Patanjali's eight-limbed path. The last four limbs, which I'm not going to get into the Sanskrit terms because that's not important, but really they essentially describe what we're talking about. They talk about different and deepening ways of praying until prayer becomes inner communion, until inner communion becomes absorption in God, in some aspect of God with form, and then that absorption becomes merging, which is what yoga is, which is union. And when you achieve that union, then you become one with God beyond form in the infinite. And that's the whole point of having a personal relationship with God, is that it takes us beyond ourselves, it starts that ball moving, it starts a direction happening. And that direction really is the whole path of yoga, of eventually reaching that point where we pray, as Yogananda once said, he was praying to God and he said, I can pray no more with words, but only with wistful yearning. And that's what prayer becomes when it becomes deep inner communion, when it becomes meditation. Words are really just to help us get to that point and really spend more and more time, those who have a, a prayer life and an inner communion life, doing it without words because that really is a deeper aspect of prayer. This is what the great Christian saint, Teresa of Avila, she called it the fourth stage of prayer, which is deep inner communion with God beyond form. And she was brought up, uh, she was uh, in the Catholic Church, and their teaching is, is that meditation and prayer is always to Christ. 
and thinking meditation to them very often is just thinking of the life of Christ and you know being perhaps blessed by it. But she had this deep experience of cosmic consciousness, of union with God, with Christ, as she put it, without form, beyond form. And she told her superiors in the church or her counselor about this, and they thought she was a heretic because there was nothing in their teachings about having this union with God, this samadhi, which is what she was really experiencing, with God, with Christ beyond form. And finally, somebody in the church found an old writing by an old Christian saint, Catholic saint, that said, indeed, that's the highest form of prayer, is inner communion and finally union with God beyond form. How, this a little bit of a concept that's hard to understand. What's very helpful for me is to see a child. Yogananda said we are children of God and to call to God as our divine mother, as our heavenly father, and to demand our divine birthright as children of God. And it helps me to see a small child, a little toddler, going up to its mother. And this child doesn't need to say, Oh, beloved mother, I am thy child. Please lift me up in thy arms. The mother knows it's this child. Come on. Why? I know we say that a lot. I am thy child, and we pray that way a lot. Believe me, God doesn't forget that we're God's children. It's the only purpose we say it with words. It's because we're forgetting, and we need to remind ourselves. And so take it beyond words and watch that child. It's just a beautiful image of how to pray and really how to go deeper into prayer. Because that child walks up to its mother. It doesn't have to be totally, you know, looking really sharp and clean. It can be covered with mud. It doesn't need to straighten its spine and put its hands together and pray. It doesn't even need a single word. All it needs to do is look up to the mother, maybe tug on her skirt a little bit, (laughs) or just reach its arm up. That's all it needs, is just to reach its arm up. And the mother reaches down, lifts the child up in her arms. And use that image of really deepening ways of prayer beyond words, which is just simply, when you meditate, for those who have a meditation practice, when the mind starts to become still, as the song we just did, still your mind if you want to pray. When your mind is still and you can take it beyond words, spend time in every meditation without thoughts, without techniques, with nothing but self-offering. Just that child, just reaching up. That's all we need to do is simply reach up with love, with self-offering. In the science of yoga, it's offering ourselves here at the spiritual eye. And it's taking the heart's natural love, as Sri Teshwar called it, and taking it from the heart center and just offering it up and reaching up and saying, Lord, lift me up. And you don't need to even say, I'm your child, unless you need that reminder. And pray more like that, beyond words. Because this is really the whole idea of prayer, is to take us to that point of mystical, deep union with God, beyond words, beyond form. Because even the yogis talk about this reading from Whispers from Eternity. We take it beyond even our own form, much less God in form, in that union with God. And so use all of these tools. Use prayer. Use inner communion. Use your devotion. 
and simple self-offering. And remember to go to God. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to. People talk about, well, I don't feel worthy. Get rid of that. That child going to its mother doesn't have to be anything but the child and just to offer itself up and say, Divine Mother, Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm yours. I'm ready finally after incarnations of wandering and doing all these things that keep me from the I'm ready. And here I am. And just offer yourself into that light. It's really that simple. And this is where we're going with prayer. Experiment with these things. Apply them in little ways in your life and in big ways. But by doing this steadily over the years, consistently, creatively, experimenting over the years, you'll find that by opening yourself up to that grace and that light, eventually one day you just literally won't recognize yourself and who you are because you've been transformed by that grace and by that light. And that really is the essence of the spiritual path in our journey back home to God. So blessings to you.
no winter time.